Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, onliners. Everyone turn around and wave to the onliners. We love you out there. It's probably about morning tea. You might be putting in the chat what you're having for morning tea and um, have a great day. Uh, MZ has, I picked MZ up from hospital yesterday. He's had a shoulder operation. And he's having a good attitude, Emma. You'll be pleased to know. Yes, he's having good. He's not groaning and moaning too much. And he's going to take a few weeks to recover. All right. So just a bit of a rundown on this term. You all look very attractive, by the way. We should have a mask um, competition. Rodney, your mask is looking very good. Like that mask. So what's happening this term? Next week, Fraser's going to kick us off with her two-week series on end times because I thought it's important as Christians you don't go by conspiracy theories but you've got to follow the scripture and so if you come next week you'll find out is the vaccine the mark of the beast that's what we need to know also we're going to do a series on human flourishing during this season of COVID sometimes we need to be reminded that God still wants us to flourish in season and out of season so what do human beings need to flourish you're going to find out this term and also Mark's going to be continuing his series on the book of John well identity who are you you wouldn't think those three little words would be so complicated and be so hard to answer a few years ago in Georgia in America, they found a naked man next to a dumpster who had been knocked out behind Burger King. He had no clothes, no identity. They took him to the hospital where he regained consciousness. He had developed amnesia and he didn't know who he was. They did DNA and fingerprint testing. No one knew anything. Dr. Phil, remember him, did a national TV show asking if anyone knew this man. No one claimed him. They hired a private investigator, couldn't discover anything. No one knew who he was and he didn't know who he was. Imagine if that was you. No past, for some of you that might be good. No friends, no memory, no family, no name, no identity. That would be a scary thing, but actually that's exactly what Satan wants to do. He wants to erase your identity and mess with your identity. He doesn't go after your destiny, he goes after your identity because if he gets your identity, he gets your destiny. Your destiny, your future, everything you do comes out of who you believe you are. Um, And I know this to be real. You've heard my story. At 15 years old, I believed I was the Antichrist and um, followed thoughts of depression, thoughts of suicide. And I know Satan's plan, by what I believed about who I was, was to take me out. And if not to take me out, was to get me to live a life of fear. I hated myself. And when you hate yourself, it's very hard to love others. Actually, when you hate yourself, you're closed down and you can't relate to others. And I was born to connect. Um, So he was going after me, but he goes after every single one of you. And if you're in a dark place today, I'm saying this to you, don't quit. And um, I pray that um, God will really speak to you and lift your identity in line with what he thinks of you. Find your true identity. Satan cannot create anything. He can only pervert, distort, or destroy. He can't hurt God. He can't hurt God. So how does he get to God? How do you get to me? By going after my kids. So he goes after God's kids. If Satan can keep you from being you, 
Hide your true identity. Distort your identity. Oppose what God intended you to be. He will hurt God. Remember, Satan refused to accept his God-given identity and instead tried to form a new identity apart from God. And he wants us to do the same. And it's interesting, Bronnie, you talked about your drums because I think there's a thing in a lot of us, there was definitely a thing in me that wants to kind of give its middle finger to God and say, I don't want you to tell me who I am. I want to find out who I am. But I've got to tell you, without your maker, without you are made in the image of God, you and I will never, ever find out who our tried in And I want to tell you something this. Who's someone from someone who's been walking with God for many years? Your identity is a broad place. It's a beautiful place. It's not restricted. Remember, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but God comes to give you an abundant life, an abundant identity. Definition. Craig mentioned this last week. Tim Keller's definition is a good one. Identity is a stable self-understanding. It's the core. Who I most fundamentally am. Yes. He's a bloke speaking. Yes, I'm a father, a son, a minister, I work here. Yes, I have all these different things. But who am I really? It's a stable core and then self-regard. Self-regard is how do I feel about my core? Do I feel good about it? So identity is your self-understanding, who you really think you are, and your self-regard, whether you feel good about it or not. I bought an apple because I want to show you a little object lesson here. So that is an apple, and it is an apple because it has a core. So these are pieces of apple, but it's not really apple. It can't really be the apple without the core. And you have got lots of pieces to you, being a mother, is a piece of me, but what happens if my kids die? I'm no longer a mother, so it better not be my core. I am a senior pastor, that is a part of me, but one day I'm gonna finish this season, so I hope it's not my core. There's many parts of you, female, male, race, things you like, your interests, but that part of you, they're not your core. Your core is the thing that's inside you and what you really believe about you and your core needs to be strong and through all the, imagine if this apple you know this apple is an apple wherever it goes it's an apple in a kid's lunchbox it's an apple in a posh party it's an apple in the supermarket apple in the trolley but you know human beings aren't like apples we kind of change our core according to what environment we are But, you know, Jesus didn't. He had a strong core. Remember, Jesus spoke to him and said, this is my beloved son in whom you are well pleased. He had a strong core. And when you've got a strong core and your core matches the pieces of you, you can go through many storms and you can stand strong and you are whole. You are the same person in every environment. So how does the enemy go after our identity? Craig touched on this last week. He uses the opinions of others to keep you from being the true you. So what others say about you, your teacher, partner, some of the things they said were true, but many of the things they said about you weren't true. Um, They were trying to get you, many people try to get you to be what they want you to be. In fact, many of us even try to be what we think we should be. 
instead of what God wants us to be. Satan uses culture and media messages to mess with our identity. Most of us are affected by culture in a very deep way, much more than what we realise. Every culture pushes an identity process on us and that culture never asks permission. You know, culture doesn't come knocking at Josie's door when she's eight years old and say, hey, Josie, for the next th th few years, you're gonna, one of your best friends is going to be skinny and you're going to be in social media and you're going to realise that you're not good enough, that you're not thin enough. And at 15, you're going to get a, develop an eating disorder. Just wanted to give you a heads up. The culture doesn't do that. It doesn't warn us about the not good enough culture. It's subtle. The culture uses external pressure. We try and please others. We try and copy their core. You know, I adored my dad and my dad did Latin. So when I was in year eight, guess what elective I chose? Latin. Do you think I look like a Latin person? I wasted three years of my life. I can say about eight words in Latin. Except if the, I realise if the government makes a rule that we have to speak in Latin, Latin. Kaz, I'm your girl. <laughs> um, the culture also, modern culture, listen to this. I want you to listen to this. Modern culture also gives us a blueprint for our identity. It tells us that we can become whoever we feel like we're becoming. Hey, Apple, you can become an orange if you want. In ancient cultures, identity... Um, in ancient cultures, identity and self-worth was based on self-sacrifice. Now our culture is based on self-assertion. You must be yourself. You have to look into your heart and see what your heart desires and dreams, and you can follow these dreams. But what's the problem with that? The challenge with that is, can we trust our feelings? No, we can't trust our feelings. One week, I wanted to be a famous tennis player when I was 18. The next week, I wanted to be a psychologist. I didn't know. We can't trust our feelings. Our feelings contradict one another. You think of all of your life, how many desires, dreams and feelings you've had. You'd be changing your core every week. And that's what happens. That's what's happening with our society. There's no stability. Um, our feelings are fickle. In the culture of fluid identities, we actually lose ourselves. And soon, there isn't an us or there isn't a me. Uh, the last thing that is being, the latest thing that's being pushed, it's going to come up on the screen, is transracial or race shifting. You can choose whatever race you want to be. One lady's just spent, had 18 operations. She's English, but she decided to be Korean. So they're changing her to look, have a Korean look. Um, article in last week's paper calls it race shifting. People are ticking the box of Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander, not because they're indigenous, but because, listen to this, because in their core, they have a lack and they want to belong and they want to be celebrated. And if you're indigenous, you are celebrated. So they are saying, well, I'm going to be indigenous. Um, the listen to what the indigenous author said. She said their speech gives them away. They speak as strangers because the core is fake. He said that some of them are better at being Aboriginal than we are. He but he this is sad. My identity as an Aboriginal person has been diluted and denigrated by those who falsely claim Aboriginal status. 
Satan also uses hurt, trauma, and pain to disguise the real us. Exactly what Bronnie said. She went through trauma when she went through a divorce, so she had to rethink her identity. Satan would have loved her to get bitter, angry, toxic, resentful, and then she loses her true identity. He also, Satan also put thoughts in our mind. People suggest thoughts. Our teacher suggests thoughts. The person next to you suggests thoughts. We suggest thoughts. Thoughts, think, things like, God doesn't love you. You don't matter. You're dumb. You're hopeless. No one likes you. The interesting thing is that Satan only has to suggest one thought. And we take it, we repeat it, we keep it, and it becomes part of our identity. And then guess what? Satan doesn't have to mess with our head anymore because we're messing with our own heads. So what does the Bible say? Well, the Bible gives us a clue when it tells us in the New Testament 35 times that we are in Christ. Christianity is not like our culture. It's not like any other religion. In Christianity, the good news is you don't have to earn your identity. You don't have to achieve your identity. It is given to you. You just need to receive it. 1 Peter 2.9 gives us some fingerprints for our identity. It gives us a picture of us. says exactly what Bronnie said. To change your identity, to get a, the identity that God wants you, you have to operate from a picture. You know, all of us you, of you have got a picture because we're made in the image of God. So we've got a creative picture inside of us who we are and we operate out of that. So it's so important you get the right picture. 1 Peter 2 says this, but you, put your name in there, but you, Sal, are not like that for you are a chosen people. That's your first picture. You are royal priests, a holy nation. It's the second picture. God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received the mercy of God. I just want to quickly go through a couple of these things. The first thing is you are a chosen people. It's painful when you're not chosen. Many of us have never been chosen or we were chosen last. Put your hand up if you were a prefect. Look at that. How good is that? What did you have that I didn't have? God chose you. You are chosen, be God, chosen by God. Ephesians 1.4 says this, for he chose. When did he choose you? When did God choose you, Corey? When your parents were having that romantic night on the lounge, on the couch? <laughs> when did God choose you? God chose you, the scripture says, before the creation of the world. Ephesians 4, 1 says this, For he chose Roz in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. How good is that for choice? Before he made the solar systems, the universe, the world, the giraffes, he chose you. He adopted you into the family. He said, I'm going to pick you. I'm going to pick Doug Kempfey. I don't care what the rest of the world says. I'm going to pick Doug Kempfey for my own. God goes on to say, you are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. Peter uses language here that has been used to describe God's relationship with Israel. As Israel was, we, the church, are. We are a chosen race. Unlike Israel, though, we are not a race in the sense of our family, ethnicity, or country of origin. We are a spiritual race. 
In Christ, we share a single spiritual father. And in that same meaning, we are a holy, set-apart nation. Christians together are a royal priesthood. Remember in Israel, one priest out of the Levites could go into the presence of God. But in the New Testament, the Bible says we're all priests. You don't need Mark to hear from God. You don't need me to hear from God. You can go right into the presence of God. We are a company, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. We are set apart. We have direct access to the Father. And finally, God has formed you into this nation, into this race, because he wanted a family. Remember, Heidi, when you wanted a family, we wanted kids. Where did you get that from? You got that from God. Because even though he had the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, he wanted a family. And he said, I'm going to take from myself, from the world, a chosen nation. And he chose you to be in that family. And it cost him a lot. What makes something valuable? You are valuable. What makes something valuable? Who owns it? You know, things that are owned by famous people are valuable. There's a picture going up there of Nadal's tennis shoes. You know, if you had the choice of owning Nadal's tennis shoes or my tennis shoes, I know, you wouldn't buy mine. Nadal's are expensive. Why? Because they belong to Nadal. Nadal is able to make common things extraordinary, exceptionally valuable. And that's what God does. God took you as his treasured possession. You don't belong just to, you might have just come from an ordinary family. You might have come from public housing. You might have come from the wrong side of the tracks. But I've got to tell you, you belong to God. You belong to God, the creator of the universe, the one that goes on and on, the one that angels right now are falling down in awe, saying, holy, holy, holy. That's who your dad is. Deuteronomy 7, 6 says this, The Lord your God has chosen you, Ros, out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his, his treasured possession. Then it goes on to say, Once you didn't have an identity, but now you do, you are loved. God loves you unconditionally. He doesn't love you if, if you straighten your hair, if you pray, if you gave to the missions or the building offering. He doesn't love you because... Because you are beautiful, because you love him back, because you are intelligent. It's very hard for us to comprehend this. Do you know why? Because actually, hardly any of us love like this. No human being really can all the time love like this. But God loves you unconditionally. Not only does he love you unconditionally, he loves you forever. He doesn't have a bad day. He doesn't get up on the wrong side of the bed and say, well, I'm not going to love Mindy today. I didn't have a coffee and I'm really tired. He promises to love you forever. Do you know why? Not, it's not based on you. You know, right now you need to go, <laughs> it's not based on you. The Bible says he is love. It's based on him. It's his character and he can't go against his character. In fact, you can never talk him out of loving you. You will never talk him out of loving you and he will never, ever love you more than he loves you right now. And the last thing it says 
Once you received no mercy, but now you have received God's mercy. God knows the worst thing you will ever do. And he has decided in Christ to forgive you. You might be surprised by your sin, but God is not surprised by your sin. Think of the worst thing you've ever done. Did it take God? Did it shock God? Wow. Lynn did that? His mercy is wide. Church. Not like our mercy. His mercy is wide. Do you remember the thief on the cross? You know, a few minutes just before he died, the thief on the cross didn't say the sinner's prayer. There was no Hillsong music. He didn't say, repeat after me. He said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Couldn't give money. Couldn't do any good works. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. His mercy is wide. So wide. Just want to finish off. The two most important relationships you have are with God and with yourself. You can only love others as you love yourself. The most tormenting conversation I have ever had is not with Mark, it's not with anyone in the church. It's with myself. The good news is that I can change what I say to myself. You can choose what you tell yourself. And your dialogue and what you tell yourself will change the picture, will change your core. And you live out of your core. God is far more interested with our internal conversation than our external conversation. Listen to this. We edit with our mouths, don't you? You know, when I'm talking to people, sometimes I thought, I think, something else. Gracie. But I say something nice. (laughs) And you do too. We edit with our mouths, but we don't actually edit with our internal dialogue. The words we say to ourselves can cause a lifetime of ruin. We play unedited tapes in our heads. Remember the story of the prodigal son. I just want to go back. You know, this is, we're doing a series on identity. (laughs) And you need more than a series. I needed much more than a series when I was 15 and I thought I was the Antichrist. And if you've got a negative voice, you've got negative scripts in your head, if you've got a negative picture of yourself inside you, how long did it take you to get that negative picture? So it's going to take work and it takes time to get a positive picture, but you need to get it. You know, if there's one thing I regret, it's not working on my internal conversation and aligning it with God. God won't force himself on you. God won't come knocking tomorrow and saying, this is who you are, this is who. He's not going to, he very rarely does a supernatural thing. We're transformed. You're transformed by the renewing of your mind. So I challenge you to change what you think about yourself. But only you can do the work. But I challenge you to do the work. Above all, the Bible says, guard your heart for all of everything. Everything you do flows out of your core. And 
the enemy will come and try to distort. So get some grit and tell him where to go. Tell him to go to hell. Sometimes I tell him to go to hell because I remember what it was like to be a 15-year-old. And today someone will probably take their life because they're listening to the lies of the enemy. So this is what I did. I said that was because I was gentle with that 15-year-old. I've learnt to be gentle with my core, that little 15-year-old. And sometimes she tries to take control again, but I speak to her and I said, hey, Roz, I know you hurt back then, but I love you and God loves you and you've come so far. And that little 15-year-old gets validated. And I remind, I don't speak hard. I used to speak really harshly to that 15-year-old. I don't anymore because it doesn't work. You've got to love that 8-year-old. Love that 15-year-old. Validate him. And then you're a core and then you work together. The story of the prodigal son, remember, came from the gutter, squandered his inheritance, partied hard, lost everything, came back to his dad. Father embraced him, bought the robe, and what did the robe do? The robe represented a new identity. The father restored his identity. Life had destroyed the son, chipped away. That's what happened, chip, chip, how he saw himself. But the father bought the robe and bought restoration. Sometimes our identity gets stolen from us. People say things to us. It's like they try and put a curse on us. We make it in a vow. We go through a divorce. We go bankrupt, we have a health challenge, abuse, addiction, trauma, losing a relationship, betrayal. We lose our identity. And what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to pray for some people. And in a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'm going to pray this, that you can take off the robe, you know, that son had to take off those smelly clothes and the father put on a new robe. And I'm going to pray that as you stand, you'll be able to take off the wrong picture, the wrong, I don't know, the shame, whatever has tried to take your identity from you. And as a church, even if you're stay seated, I want you to join with me because I know we're, this isn't easy. We're going to pray it's beginning and God gives you a new robe, a robe of his righteousness, the robe of Christ, clothed in Christ. So I want you to stand if that's you and you would like prayer this morning. you bought them at such a high price you didn't you didn't buy them with a ransom of gold or silver you bought them with the ransom of your son you love them so much you chose them before the beginning of time so father as they stand in your presence i pray they take off the robe what is it just name it as you stand name it whatever it is shame words that were spoken of you. They're lies, Rodney. They were all lies. They weren't true. 
but you took them, you thought they were true. We take off that robe, we take off that smelly garment. It's not my identity. It's not who I am. And Father, right now, right across this auditorium, I pray you put on a robe. Father, come and embrace them. Embrace them before they can even get a word out of their mouth. Embrace them. Father, bring the robe and put the robe of righteousness on them. Christ's robe. They are in Christ. They are redeemed. They are called righteous. They are your treasured possession. They are loved. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. They have a future. They have a hope. Father, heal. They are forgiven. Thank you, Father. Thank you. And as you sit, those ones that are standing can sit. I just want, as your eyes are closed, the rest of you, I just want, we always give an opportunity for people to receive Christ. When you receive Christ, you receive a new start. You receive a new identity. Christ comes into your life. You become a child of God. So while your eyes are closed, if that is you, I'm going to say a prayer. If you're watching online, I want you to pray this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I ask you into my life. I ask you to forgive me for all my stuff-ups. And Lord Jesus, right now, I ask you to come into my life. Heal me. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. Walk with me. Thank you. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, Get in touch with us. Go to our website or come and see me after this service. Thank you, church. Have a great day. Wow. What Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.